Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Boozing and whoring is your own fucking business. No one wants that in the newspaper. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Hi, Jen. Good morning. I was up early today. Did you notice? (laughs) I know. Jenny's texting me. We usually record at like 11, 30, 12. And Jenny's like, I could do 10, 15. (laughs) I've been getting up at like 8 o'clock. I think I finally like regulated my sleep in a way that like now I get up like between 8 and 9. Like a normal. Do you want to know what time I got up? 6, 5. 6.30. The sun's not even up then. I got up at 6.30 with Timmy and he left and I laid back down for a little bit and then Lafayette Beetle's licking my <sighs> face at 7. I hate that Lafayette Beetle. Yeah, he, he needs to eat right away in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jenny, let's talk a little bit about what we have coming up on Patreon and on the regular feed. One thing I wanted to say about Patreon is um, for everybody who is a patron... We dropped two bonus episodes on Patreon, and I don't know if we ever made this clear that they dropped the second Thursday and the fourth Thursday of every month. So there is some (laughs) to our madness. We don't just randomly drop them. So again, if you join Patreon, it's patreon.com slash why. You could also get to it from our our main page, genxthisisy.com. So you'll get two bonus episodes one on the second Thursday, one on the fourth Thursday. And we, we have an announcement about what that's going to be. Wait, unless you're a hero, then you get it on the Wednesdays. Right. Hero as long as I programmed it, it as long as I programmed it correctly. <laughs> as long as Jenny didn't fail. <laughs> um, so Jenny and I decided after watching The Day My Kid Turned Punk, oh, and we loved it so much, that we are now going to do a mini series of um, after school specials, which we're calling ass <laughs> in our calendar, in our in our recording calendar. It's it's ASS after school special. <laughs> so um, we're going to put all of our ass <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Nothing but class here. We're going to put all of our ass episodes on Patreon. We're going to drop one on the main feed, which you should have heard already, just so people know kind of what we're doing, but the rest will be on Patreon. So for $5 a month, you get access to all of our after school specials. We're going to be doing one a month and the other free bonus, not free, but the other bonus episode you're getting for Patreon will be either a blockbuster or something else. So go listen to that ass on the main feed. <laughs> go hit that ass on the main feed. <laughs> it's the after school specials are bonkers. And I will say this, um, they're hard to find. So we, we can't do like, I know you guys are throwing suggestions at us and we appreciate it, but we have to make sure we can find the actual episode on YouTube and the whole episode. Cause a lot of them, there's like 15 minutes of one. <laughs> Which I'm all about I mean, ripping me, up yeah. somebody for 15 minutes. I but. mean, maybe maybe the ones we really want to do and can't find whole, we could just do a compilation of like <laughs> 15 minutes of like three of them. Oh, the day my kid turned punk was oh God. bonkers. <laughs> all right, Jenny. So what's coming up on Patreon and on the main? I just said it. Jesus Christ. 
Pump up the volume. You told me off the air. Oh. You didn't announce it. <laughs> wow. I'm like, are you delusional? <laughs> I didn't know we weren't recording them. Pump up the volume is coming up on Patreon. And the after school special of Amy's choice. So we're going to alternate picking those. Just know that Jenny and I are always looking for ways to troll one another. Right. So we thought adding an element of p- forcing the other one to watch a certain special we pick would add a little contention to the choice. Like if I can find one about a math competition or a bird attack, <laughs> like I'm going for it. If I could find one about feelings or empathy, I'm I going think they're for all it. about that. <laughs> Um, okay. Happy shit like that. So what is coming up on the main feed, Jen? On the main feed, Pretty in Pink, which, long story, as you may have heard in some of our recordings, Amy's like, Pretty in Pink is coming up. That's my pick or something. Long story, we were trying to pick a movie. We had like four picks. Amy picked Pretty in Pink and then for some reason put it in a poll on the Mimi Bees just to mm-hmm. validate her, I love democracy. her control over the Mimi Bees and how... how <laughs> That's her group still. So whatever. Okay. We're doing pretty and pink. Long story short. I have I have two bits of Mimi B news. Number one, we hit a hundred members. Yeah, oh that only took yesterday. like six months. Good job. And number two, Mimi Kim messaged me privately. She's reading the Nellie Olson book that we're giving away for Patreon. Uh-huh. And she said they pretty much all felt about Carrie like we do. And she showed me some receipts. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that they were basically like, mm, something's not right there. <laughs> that poor, those poor children, because there was two of them, yes. which is, it makes it even weirder. Well, it begs the question, was Michael Landon in charge of their onset learning? Oh, You know how, you know how children yeah. actors have yep. like tutors? Was Michael Landon in charge well, of that? But, like Melissa Gilbert's super sharp, so she didn't suffer the same fate. Yeah, but she came in at a later age. Maybe she already had the basis. Well, set. but to be fair, we don't know what Carrie's really like. <laughs> like she might be fine when she's not acting. I I don't know. I think that Mimi Kim was intimating that this was about the actress. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh. Guys, clarify that for us if you can in the Mimi B. Well, and you Did- could you could read the book if you if we ever get fifty patrons. Like yes. I was telling Amy the other day, I'm going to be moving with this book. This book is Jenny's, moving to my new house. Jenny's moving in April. And I said, Jenny, you'll be going to the retirement home with that book. <laughs> with I just sent the B, B, BG albums. So, yes, we gone. did have winners for the BG albums. And thank you, everybody, for your feedback in that survey. It was really great. Okay, no new reviews today to read. So let's get into the episode, shall we? Today, we're looking at Little House on the Prairie, Season 4, Episode 2, Times of Change. And Jen, I think somebody got a promotion. William Claxton. Yes, he did. Producer credit for William Claxton. Producer credit. How about that shit? So I was like, oh, does this mean he didn't direct it? No, he still directed it. He still it. directed it. But we have new writers, Carol Michael Rachel. Rachel? Yeah, it seems like they're a couple. Are they a couple? Are they like siblings? It had their first, right, they could be siblings. They could be married. We don't know. What kind of death pack is in pact is this that they're going to write an episode of? <laughs> Although they did not disappoint. No, they did not. The description reads, when Charles gets the opportunity to visit Chicago on business, he hopes to turn it into a romantic getaway for Carolyn and himself. But he ends up escorting Mary, who longs to visit her fiancé, John. As father and daughter navigate a city that's very different from their simple Walnut Grove, unexpected revelations are on the way for both of them. All right, we open on Laura and Carrie running home from school trying to catch up with Mary. Laura informs Mary that after school, Miss Beetle put the winning essay up on the board. How did she do that? How uh, did she put the winning essay up on the board? Just the title of it? That's Did she just write the name and title? Because I, I don't guess. know how she would get it up there. Can I just say that nothing lights a fire under you more than your younger sibling running after you yelling, wait up. <laughs> <laughs> nothing makes you move faster than that. Laura's like, wait, 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 Mary. No, Mary's not running fast, Jen. She's sulking. And Laura's like, but you were the winner. It was your essay. And Mary's like, "Mm." that's not good enough, Laura. I know it's good enough for you, but that's not good enough for me. And then I have a note here, Jenny. Why is school always a competition for these kids? (laughs) It really was. This a Gen X thing. That was a Gen X thing. I feel like there was always some kind of competition going on. 
Like it was always like you have to win the dictionary. You have to win winners this. and losers. Win that was the Gen X thing. There's always competitions going on in school. Absolutely. It's very competitive in Miss Beatles school. <laughs> Paul comes riding down the road looking hot, might I add. Oh my <laughs> and he offers the girls a ride. And Jen carries in school now. Pause for music. She's getting in the wagon and Paul's like, how was school, Carrie? Oh, thank God. Thank God. I mean, Miss Beetle, we're counting on you here. You need to work your magic. You know what I don't understand, though? Caroline's a teacher, too. I know. She failed on this one. Like, I'm a teacher. You can guarantee my kids went to school ready, primed. They knew shit already. Weren't you trying to jump into one of their classes yesterday? Oh, yeah. My daughter was in her English class and they were talking about, first of all, I want to say this. They were talking about Amanda Gorman's um, poem at the Super Bowl and she had a reference to Captain. And I said, because they were listening to that in class the day before, and I said, oh, I wonder if that's a a reference to Oh, Captain, My Captain. Next day, they're doing Oh, Captain, My Captain. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm So you you got an A plus in that like eighth grade English class. Good job. (laughs) And my kid... Just is not into it. And I'm yelling, that's illusion. That's this. That's it. You know, I'm giving her all the answers. She's like, mommy, I can't say any of that. Like, it's going to be so obvious it came <laughs> that you're, me. She's parroting you. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. And then, of course, I'm listening to the teacher like, oh, you're not doing a good job with this poem. <laughs> teacher, she was like, that's illusion. The teacher would be like, what? <laughs> okay. So... Pa tells Mary, Jen, that she's received a letter from Chicago from John Jr. Laura wants her to read it to them, but Pa's like, no, John's letters are personal. Okay, gross. Okay. (laughs) At home, Caroline's in the chicken coop again. We need a new name for this because this is no longer a chicken coop. This is like a chicken condo. Like, this is like a chicken resort. It is very large. Jenny, that chicken coop is probably the size of your first bedroom in New York City. Yeah. Oh, easily. <laughs> pa tells her that the Grange Company. I have an index card. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Because I don't know what I'm doing here. Have you never heard of the Grange? No. Wow. How would I have heard of the Grange? Am I a farmer? Do I live, live in, in life? Live in life? No. I mean, being on Earth? No. Go. Give us the facts. Okay. What the fuck is the Grange? The Grange is the National Grange of the Order of Patrons of Husbandry. It is a fraternal Whoa, 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 whoa. I need you to say that over again. Hmm. Slowly. The, the National Grange of the Order of Patrons of Husbandry. Okay. Is a fraternal organization in the U.S. that, quote, encourages families to band together to promote the economic and political well-being of the community and agriculture. What I thought it was like was the Rotary. Do you know what the Rotary is? Yes. I thought it was like, is it the 4-H club? I thought it was like that. Um, I feel like they're part of something else, the 4-H club. I don't, I mean, I've heard of that, but I don't really know what it is. I thought they were kind of like the farmer equivalent of a rotary, right? Where the rotary is like the small business people get together and they, yeah, they yeah, talk yeah. about what way they want to vote on things and they lobby Congress and like all these So things. isn't it like that? Well, that's not what it was set up like. So it was founded after the Civil War in 1867. It's the oldest American agriculture advocacy group with a national scope. After the war, Oliver Kelly was commissioned by the Department of Agriculture to go to the southern states and collect data to improve southern agricultural conditions. So the South took the brunt of the Civil War, like it was kind of all messed up. In the South, poor farmers bore the brunt of the war and were suspicious of Northerners like Kelly. So like no one would talk to him. And he's like, what? The, like, how am I going to do this? And what, but what he found was that he was able to overcome these sectional differences because he was a Mason. So you know what the Freemasons are? Oh, yeah. Charles so, Ingalls was a Freemason. Was he really? Yes. I always thought yep. that was a rich person thing. Oh, I guess not. Was, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was, it was definitely a, a white person, person thing. thing. Right. was not a rich person thing. 
So the Southern Masons cooperated with him and helped him. And they kind of had that like that like camaraderie through the Masons. So he that what? The camaraderie through the Masons. Camaraderie? Okay. What? You said camaraderie or something. Did I really? Like <laughs> the artery? <laughs> um so he he saw a need to have some kind of group like that that was like fighting for a common cause among the farmers. Yeah. So he saw like he saw a need for that. He decided that they should um, form this group that would share knowledge share across the country. So the South was using a lot of outdated agriculture processes and, you know, they could benefit from some of the inventions in the North and and out West. They had a lot of inventions around um, farming. So he formed this group with six other men and one woman. Ooh. Grange membership grew to 200,000 by 1873 into 858,000 by 1875. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot at this time. Especially at this time because people were not connected. Yeah. The organization was unusual at the time because women in any teen old enough to draw a plow, 14 Mm. to 16, were encouraged to participate. The importance of women was reinforced by requiring that four of the elected positions could hold that had that had to be held by women. Wow. No people of color, but at least they got women in there. Okay. At least they got some women in there. In 2005, the Grange had a membership of 160,000. So it's still around in 36 wow. states. It's headquartered in Washington, D.C. Okay. All right. So Paul tells Caroline that the Grange is going to meet in two weeks and they're going to decide some state regulation. And since blah, 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 Randall, that we don't need to know, is sick and unable to attend, Pa is going to go. And Caroline is so happy for him. Like, so happy. Now, I have a question, Jenny. Is it me or is the production quality better in season four? It's better. And just for just... picture, better sound. Well, I mean, they might just have better technology by now. Yeah, maybe. Well, and also they have better props and stuff like Laura's new dress. Do you see her new green dress? I did. I feel like they got a little budget up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is fourth season. They're probably the ratings are going up and up and up. It's probably doing well. It's kind of like when um, Amazon bought The Expanse. Like those oh, yeah. seasons are yeah. way better. It's like they had Jeff Bezos money to spend yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Inside the house later, Mary is reading John's letter, and it's pretty insufferable. Game. She has the glasses on. She does have the glasses so on. So does she need them for distance or for reading? This doesn't make any sense. She doesn't need them, period. <laughs> He's telling her all about an orchestra that he attended. Now, this will be important later. Jenny, is this or is this not a love letter? It's not. What do you mean? He I'm- talks about how he wishes she could come to the, what is it? What's the dance? What do they call it? Italian. The cotillion. How he wishes she could come to the cotillion so he could show her off as the most beautiful Okay, woman. yeah, that's a love letter. I wasn't It's attention. a fucking love letter. I wasn't paying attention. John Jr., you two-time but an asshole. I feel like it's not... Like, yeah, he's saying things that would technically lead you to believe that he sees her as his partner. But it's not lovey-dovey. Like, it's not romantic. Because he can write very romantically in his poet ways. Okay, that's it. I'm putting this in the Mimi Bees, guys. I'm going to find the clip of him reading the letter. I'm putting it in the Mimi Bees, and I want a judgment. Is this a love letter or not? Why are the Mimi Bees suddenly a jury for everything? (laughs) They're my jury, bitches. I bring my jury with me everywhere I go. (laughs) Did you see what Laura was doing while Mary was reading the letter? She Was that when she was saying... No, that wasn't it. I don't know. No, she was on her back, putting her feet on the ceiling. (laughs) Jen? Okay. Laura is grossed out by this love letter and says falling in love is such a waste of time. She's going to stay here with Pa forever. Not Ma. Pa. Is this when she was saying she wouldn't waste her time in Chicago? If she went to Chicago, she wouldn't waste her time going to a dance? Um, yes, she also says that <laughs> because Laura be too busy being up in someone's business. <laughs> but Jenny, I have a question why does she exclude Ma from her future plans? Know. Do we have an electric complex going on here? I don't know what's happening. Like, is she gonna off Ma? I don't know. I'm worried for Caroline. She should watch her back. Yeah, seriously. Um, so John invites Mary to the university's annual cotillion. 
He knows she does can't go. Does he invite go. her though, or does he kind of say, he "I says, wish I you wish could you, go"? I wish That's could not go an and invitation. Have... And he says, "I wish I could show you off." I feel like, but that's I know not it's really impossible. Invitation, like he's only saying it because he knows it's impossible. But did he have to write this letter at all? Can we at least get on the same page with that? Did he have to write the letter at all? Well, I nope. guess he writes her letters. We'll get to it. Laura says if she had a chance to go to Chicago, she wouldn't waste her time at some dumb old dance. She'd be in somebody's business burning down their house. She'd be at the bar getting all the scoop on everybody in the town. She'd be like slumping around a dead body or some shit that she got involved in. Downstairs, we have a scene I'm calling Caroline's 10 Seconds of Happiness. <laughs> Paul announces that he's taking Caroline to Chicago with him. But Jen... Mary starts complaining about how it's been so long since she saw John Jr. And guess what Caroline's going to do? The sacrifices of a mother never end. I, I can't. I, I just can't. I can't. I can't. I wrote motherfucker. I mean, Mary's She's miserable. miserable this trip for Mary. Mary's miserable. She's in love and miserable. Welcome to fucking life, Mary. Like, deal with it. Yeah, really. Caroline calls Mary down and shows her an old dress of hers. And then she talks about... Young hot Charles and meeting him at some dance wearing the dress. And I wrote, this is the prequel we all need. We need a prequel oh, showing God. us Caroline and Charles love story. I thought this was the weirdest scene. It felt like different than normal little house. Like it, it went to a weird, weird. place. <laughs> it was super weird, but I'm telling you right now, they're talking about rebooting this. No, we need a prequel. Give us. You're the only one that cares about young Charles. Some Harry Styles as a young Charles oh, Ingalls. I love Harry Styles. Do not make him Charles. And I'm here for it. <laughs> he is so much better than Charles. All right. So Caroline gives up the only break she'll ever have in probably 10 years and lets Mary go to Chicago for her boyfriend. To which I said to my husband, if you think for one second I'd give up a trip for one of our kids to see their boyfriend, mm-mm. Next, we see Charles and Mary on the train. Paul and Mary get upgraded, Jen, to their own compartment. So they're in business class. And I just have to say, what the hell, Amtrak? This business class is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Like, you get a slightly wider seat and, like, one small, like, mini bar size wine on Amtrak. Yep. Yep. So they embrace. Oh, Grange has paid for all of this. So Charles and Mary are super happy. They embrace and they kiss. And I wrote... Why do I feel like they're on a date? Oh, because Michael Landon cast Melissa Sue Anderson as his own girlfriend in that movie. And now I can't unsee it. Okay. Oh, really? Yes. So I want to address something. (laughs) No. It came to our attention in the Mimi Bees in our Facebook group that somebody had talked about The Loneliest Runner, which is uh, written, produced, directed, and starring Michael Landon. Time out. Amy is fucking scarred by this, people. Scarred. Scarred, guys. So Jenny and I were like, we need to do this. It's probably the biggest ego trip. It'll be hilarious. We need to do this. No, no. I watched. So Amy, Amy went ahead and did it. I watched 15 minutes of it. It's based. So it's based on Michael Landon's childhood. Guys, he was an abused child. Like I, I'm saying to Jenny, we can't make this funny. This is child <laughs> abuse. Oh it's God. horrible. It's horrible. So he found a, like, you know, obviously Michael Landon wasn't playing the boyfriend to Melissa Sue Anderson, but like it's autobiographical. He casts a kid, you know, to be. Oh, so it wasn't Michael Landon. Right. But then he picks Melissa Sue Anderson to be his girlfriend. Now I can't oh, unsee it. It's a very incestual and weird. It's weird. Um, and bottom line, they are not, we are not doing Loneliest Runner. Yeah. Not so yet. it's not happening, not guys. Mm-mm. You want to cry and just be really devastated for a while? Go watch it. <laughs> okay. So, Jen, in this compartment, they also get a fancy dinner. You know who would have loved this? Caroline. The fancy dinner. Like, this was me on Eurostar. I'm like, they give you food on a train? Like, because this <laughs> doesn't have, our train system in the U.S. sucks. Yeah. So, like, when I was on Eurostar and I was on, like, a little bit of a long ride, not that long. They like start wheeling food, like free food down the aisle and giving you like dinner with like plates and silverware. Like when I'm on Amtrak, I'm like, I have a fucking cold like egg and cheese from Dunkin' Donuts. Like that's what I mean. That's Amtrak. We arrive in 19th century Chicago and it's beautiful. This is what I'm saying. Definitely a bigger budget. Yeah. Mary sees an eccentric woman with a dog and she's like, that dog is wearing a coat. 
That dog was cute. That's that a real dog. dog. Was super cute. They stay in a fancy hotel. Charles is getting two rooms and checking in when he gets the rooms paid for by Grange. And I wrote, Charles has no clue how to handle being pampered. No. I also noticed something about Michael Landon. You know those hot pants he wears that I like so much? The brown ones that are high-waisted? Yeah. I think he wears those to appear taller. He does, and he puts the lifts in his shoes. Yes. Yes. Because I'm like, he doesn't look like he's only like 5'5 five, five or whatever he is. Yeah, no. The pants. Yep. Yep. I'm gonna, next time you see me, I'm going to have jeans up to my boobs. <laughs> when I saw that dog, it reminded me that we don't see Reverse Lafayette Beetle at all in this episode. No, but he is referenced. Yeah, they do talk about him. Yes. Yep, of course. Okay, Charles, um, they have this amazing suite, and Charles is walking around showing Mary the suite, and they're all happy. Mary immediately wants to go see John. And I wrote, Paul looks hot walking the street in his farmer clothes. I was waiting for Mary's walk around, like, is this real? I was waiting for her to say to the bellhop, like, oh, an indoor bathroom? Like, I know. So, I know. <laughs> so Jen... Welcome back, John Jr. John Jr.'s back. That voice. Do you see what I mean now? He's a terrible actor. It's the voice, guys. He's like, okay, so imagine this. He had no idea his girlfriend, his fiance, was coming. Sees her randomly. Just opens the the street. Here's his emotion. Oh, hi, Mary. Hi, Mr. Ingalls. No, he ran across the street and hugged her. What are you talking about? His first thing was... Hi, Mary. Oh, and then he ran across the street. That sounds like bad writing. He's just the monotone. It's weird. Okay. He hugs Mary, tries to act excited, but his voice does not change at all. And he's kind of like, why are you here? Like, what? <laughs> like, when someone's like, why are you here? He seems, so we meet this Mr. Hancock and he seems to be, is he John's boss at the newspaper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the so editor. John works at the Chicago Register, guys. And Mr. Hancock invites them to dinner that evening. Okay. Harmless enough. Go for a free meal. Good meal. At the Grange Convention. So Charles leaves them and he struts over to the Grange Convention, which appears to be taking place in just a tent randomly. No, it's like in the convention hall. It's a tent. It's a canvas like circus tent. Okay. They're definitely in a building later, but okay. Yeah. At the Grange Convention, Charles has a riveting conversation about a grain elevator with a man named Ennis. I think they're trying to make it seem like Charles is hobnobbing. From Bloomington. And then, Jen, a reporter from the Chicago Register sits down next to Charles. It is, like, I I don't know if you've been to conventions. I mm-hmm. fucking hate conventions. I hate small talk. I hate conventions. Mm-hmm. Like, small talk is the worst, most painful thing on earth for me. I like being around people. Yeah, I know. Laura. (laughs) I shine at a convention. Give me a good convention any day. Wait, wait, wait. Can we discuss one thing? When they're like, how do you feel about the Grange? And there's this insane crowd eruption. (laughs) No, that never, ever would happen. There's never that enthusiasm at a convention. When I go to like the MLA convention, they're not like, how do you feel about the Modern Language Association? Everybody's <laughs> not like not, jumping up and down. It's not true. I go to tech conferences all the time. I've been to design conferences. This does not happen. I've been to fucking Comic-Con and this doesn't happen. Well, it depends on who walks in the room. That's true. But if there's not a celebrity, then it doesn't, this doesn't happen. Forget it. Jenny, now we need to address a major point in this next scene. I was texting Jenny about this because I even called her. Okay. At dinner, Charles asked John Jr. if he'll be coming home to Walnut Grove this summer or heading out to California to see his folks. Uh, Record scratch what? Hey, Michael Landon, did you forget to tell us something? Because we were careful and we have watched every fucking episode. I called Jenny. I'm like, oh, my God, we must have missed the Edwards moving to California. We saw them leave California. And moved back to Walnut Grove. Everyone was on the prairie in the last episode of season three. They're all going back to Walnut Grove. No talk of them staying in California. And then we watched season one. I mean, episode they one of season they four. They weren't in it, but Jonathan Garvey suspiciously was. I know, but like they didn't tell us anything. Jenny, are they trying to swap out our ride or die? I'm going to be pissed if Edwards is gone. It cannot be Jonathan Garvey. He is not yeah. a ride or die. Not, at least not yet. Come yeah. on. 
come on. And Carl's Jr.'s gone. What am I going <laughs> to do? I don't. I don't know what's going on. But thanks for thanks for the great writing and letting us know what happened here. Yeah, this is they not, they don't even address it after that. So this is another bunny incident where Jenny's favorite character is now gone. I'm pissed. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. We don't know, guys. Come at us if you know what happens here. Like, what? Where are they? They're trying to swap out the ride or die. Fucking Edwards better be back soon. Oh, God. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's Michael Landon slash all these writers poor attempt at trying to explain why Edwards isn't in any of these episodes. But like, who cares? Like Reverend Alden's not in any of them. Baker's not in them. Yeah, like we, yeah, yeah. everyone doesn't have to be in every episode. Hey, we need a Baker break. That damn scarecrow. So John says he's too busy to come back to Walnut Grove. Mm-hmm. And the boss is right there and goes, I'll give you some I'll time give you off. The time off. This is why you don't go to dinner with your boss and your girlfriend. John, John Jr. is like, oh. Thanks, dude. <laughs> and can we discuss that they eat a Georgia pecan pie? Oh, they're so right. good. The next day, John Jr. and Mary are walking downtown and he buys her newly invented chewing gum. And who's the first person she thinks of? I'm going to give this to Laura because Laura's going to destroy someone's life with this. They bump Jen into Wesley Cox. Oh, that's his name. I call him Dick Cox later because I don't know his name. Close, close. He calls Mary a country girl. He's like, oh, right. You're the country girl. He's such so, a slime bag. So he obviously knows about her. Well, yeah. he's like, oh, right. You're the country well, girl. The so boss, is there a city girl? The boss knew about her too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cox tells John Jr., don't forget you have an appointment with your professor. Okay, Jenny, question. When you were in college. Nope, no, no one would know my schedule like this. Who, why right. else do you know this? Did yeah. any of your friends no. know when you were meeting with professors? Nope. No. No, 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 no. Only if it meant you were going to be late to the party that night. That's right. it. All right. So he's going to take Mary around now, and he's very smarmy. Then, in a shocking turn of events, John Jr. runs into another woman, and she asks where he was and what time he's picking her up for the cotillion. This dun, 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 dun. A, a girlfriend, and you know she kind of looks like Mary. I, I'm she's she's city Mary, she's and there's city Mary. Yeah, yeah, she's city Mary. Yeah. I was calling her rich Mary, but okay. <laughs> city Mary. Because where did where did John Junior get all these tuxes and suits? That's not I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think she's buying them for him. Well, he's working. He works at the Chicago Register. I know, and he like, sold that he sold that book of poems. He probably made you know. Oh yeah, he banked at on least that. a dollar. Mary and Charles are back in the hotel. Mary is saying that John Jr. canceled their plans for tonight. <laughs> then. Why is then, Mary, first of all, why is Mary in her nightgown at like before dinner? I know. I know. Then a sex worker shows up for Charles. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Guys. Oh my God. You want to, you had it. I wish there was a camera on me to show you my reaction. I was like, what is happening? Don't worry. Hashtag Amy's copyright laws. I have it on video. It's going in the Mimi Bees. A fucking sex worker shows up at Charles' door. Okay. Before dinner, too, which is weird. But okay. Charles politely declines. And the sex worker, Angela, was sent by Stanley Hollister. And she kind of assumes he's rejecting her because Mary's his lover. Yes, she totally assumes that. Which is like, what is going on in this town? <laughs> Although to be she's fair, like, Mary's very in age. So. No, because she goes, oh, she's a little young. And Charles goes, she's my daughter. And the and Angela's like, mm-hmm, okay, I'll like, leave you I don't alone. believe you, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Charles goes, he's all flustered. <laughs> and I want to see, the scene we need to see is Mary going home and telling Caroline that a sex worker showed up at the door. Yeah. So Charles shows up at the convention and they're all drinking, Jen. Yes, God forbid. He's not happy. Not happy. That Ennis dude pulls Charles aside and he's like, I can get you the grain elevator if you vote no. Yeah. He's wheeling and dealing. He's doing back Mm -hmm. deals. Then a bunch of party girls come in and Charles is like clutching his pearls. (laughs) The next morning. Oh, this is great. The next morning, Charles grabs a newspaper and he's not happy. Okay. He runs. So what do you do, Jen, when you see a news story that you're not happy about? Do you run into the office of the editor and yell at him? I run right to the New York Times. 
<laughs> First of all, Char- like Charles is still like getting over the boozy hoary scene. Like he can't. He's all like he's all besieged from that, and now he's reading them some kind of story in the newspaper, and yeah, like freaking yeah. out, going to pound on the editor's door. So he runs into that dude Fletcher's office, and he's irate over the reporting of the convention. He's like, there were drunks and party girls and backroom deals. Why didn't any of that get reported? Fletcher's just looking at him like, what are you talking about? Go back to, what does Penny say to baby? Go back to daddy, baby. What is that line that she says? Go back to your playpen, baby. Yes, go back to your (laughs) playpen, baby. That's how Fletcher is looking at Charles. I'm sticking up for Fletcher here, and here's why. Like, to be fair, like... Boozing and whoring is your own fucking business. No one wants that in the newspaper. That is private fucking business. <laughs> well, we see eye to eye on that. <laughs> Boozing and whoring is private. It's your own business. It's a personal decision yes. for everybody. Wait, he private. doesn't even know if the, half those men were married. He doesn't know what's going on. It's not his business. That no, should be. Could you imagine if that shit was in the newspaper? No. Then it's you like know? a friggin' smut mag. You know who, it would have been baller to see Nels there. <laughs> Nels, I like drunk Nels. Nels. Drunk Nels is a blast. I do too. All right. So later that night, um, Mary is all ready. And for some reason, Paul's dressed up too. Is he going? And I realized, no, he's going to the Grange for the vote. He's pouting on the balcony. Yep. John is meeting Mary at the dance after work. Mary has Caroline's dress on. And it's not doing her any favors. Well, look, is it Mira? It just looks too young for her. Like that. Yeah, it's like weird. That Nelly wore when she was like nine. It's weird. It's like weird. The fabric, everything is very. It's very young. She could have done something with her hair. How about a little updo? You know what this reminds me of? Oh no! <laughs> Remember on Guiding Light when Mindy was sabotaging the prom and she dressed up Beth like, like she looked like an idiot, and then someone took her and made her over. When they were fighting over Philip. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so Mary says, Jen, this is going to be the best night of her life. And then turns on a dime and says, but I'm scared, Pa. And they never resolve that. They never talk about what the fuck she's scared of. Nothing. That's just how it ends. Charles and Mary arrive at the dance and John Jr. already is setting up his escape hatch and is like, I'm going to have to leave early to go yeah, cover the gonna be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's like, Charles, can you come back and get Mary? And Charles is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as, so Mary came all this way to dance with him for like an hour. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And not even dancing like Penny and Johnny dancing. This is dancing right. like Cotillion. ballroom. Oh. Yeah. It's stupid. All right. Mary tells John she loves him and he never says it back. Hanging out there. Left and I love you. Just floating in the breeze. Then we see Dick Cox or whatever his name is. (laughs) Smarmy friend. He cuts in and asks to dance with Mary. Oh, sure. Because like I came all this way to dance with John Jr. I'm going to dance with you. John Jr. says, yeah, no problem. Runs off to meet City Mary and starts dancing with her in the corner near the trees. The plants or the bushes. (laughs) trying to dance in the bushes. So Mary Jenny, doesn't see him. They're literally feet away from each other. I know. I know. Uh, City Mary gets annoyed and walks out on him. She's like, oh, nobody, puts, nobody puts City Mary in the corner with the bushes. Right. I'm so gone. Left. Mm-hmm. So that kind of worked out. Kind of worked out. So back at the Grange convention, they're voting on state regulation. And a dude, the one who tried to bribe Paul with the grain elevator, Stands up and makes a like a passionate case for no regulation. He says railroads should be in charge. Oh fuck! Yeah, let's let let's let nineteenth century capitalists be in charge. Of no, that. dude, no. Charles says, "How much are they paying you to talk like that?" And the dude running the meeting is like, "Sir, you are out of order." And Charles stands up and goes, "No, sir." And I thought he was going to say, "No, you're out of order," but he didn't. He's like, "No, sir, I am not." And then he blows the whole thing. He blows it all up. The whole thing gets blown wide open. The Grange has been corrupted by the railroads. The Grange has been corrupted. End of discussion. End of sentence. So, Jen, Charles votes yes on state regulation. We never found out how that vote went, did we? They voted no. I missed that part. He referenced it when he was fighting with John Jr., which I'm getting to. Okay. All right. At the dance, Dick Cox is still annoying Mary. 
City Mary returns and John Jr.'s like, oh my God, come out with me on the terrace. Okay, so they're out on the terrace. Dick Cox and Mary are still dancing inside. Well, okay. Paul sees, sees John sees walking John out. John Jr. With, go out with a drink. Is that like so Paul are they drinking Paul, alcohol? It was punch. It was punch. Okay. Which I was confused I'm sure because it's liked. I was confused because Mary asked for the punch. John Jr. got the punch and brought it out to City Mary. <laughs> I think he's getting confused. He's getting confused. Okay, so Charles brings out and he catches them making out. Oh, shit. Oh. I thought he was going to slap him. He should have. He should have slapped him. He, he should have punched him yeah, right over does. the railing. So Charles confronts him and John Jr.'s only defense, Jen, is that he didn't know they were coming. This is where this letter comes into play. I am sorry, but yeah. you just wrote her a love letter. Saying I wish you could come, but he assumed it could never happen. That's like he, you know what I mean? Like, it's like me saying like, hey, I really wish you could join me in like, you know, uh, Dubai tomorrow. Like, I know you're not gonna be able to jump on a plane and go to Dubai tomorrow, but like, you know what I mean? Like that, like, he just thought it was impossible. So he might as well try to get credit for asking her. I already told Timmy, I'm coming out when you get your new house. I'm going to help you set it up. Okay. Timmy's like, does Jenny Jenny want you to come? Does Jenny want you to come out? And I'm like, hmm. Can you bring Timmy know. down with like a small set of tools and who's gonna watch the kids? Mom, the kids, the dogs. Timmy can do a little bit of work for me. All right, so Charles makes John tell Mary to her face. So John admits like he's not into Mary anymore, and Charles and he was gonna write her a letter when they got back home to Walnut Grove. Oh, dude, no, nope. Charles he can't like, face no her. fucker, no fucker. You're telling her he's a coward. He's a coward. But he did say something I relate to. He's like, I'm just better with writing. Like, I'm better with the words on the page. So write her a letter and then stand there and let her read it and let her mm-hmm. say what she needs to say. Yeah. Fine. Yep. Back at the hotel, Mary has cried herself to sleep on her big fancy bed. And I said, she is having a true city experience. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> Charles pops in and gives her a pep talk. And Charles is like, let's get the fuck out of Dodge. Because <laughs> Charles hates the city and its constant immoral churn. <laughs> Paul and Mary get back on the train and they're in coach. A young boy sits next to Mary and flirts with her. His name is Patrick. Paul smirks. End of episode. Jenny, do you know who the little boy is? No. Bobby Brady. Oh, really? Yeah, he did kind of look familiar. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's it. End of episode. Now, am I upset with this ending? Charles was lucky there wasn't a fucking hitman on that train. After his little speech at the Grange. That's true. Against the railroad. That's true. You know, because it kind of drove home like we're in coach again. Like, but you're lucky you're not dead. That's true. Or he goes home and finds like bandit's throat slit and bandit laying. I mean, they already had a hell. Like you know, someone lied, someone cheated, someone bribed someone. Like they already had a hell of a twenty-four hours. (laughs) Charles didn't have to bury anyone in this episode. He does not have to bury anyone in this episode. He got a little break there. So was I happy with the end of this? I guess it was fine. At least, again, at least we're making that downturn of action. You know. However, what I was not happy with was the title of the episode. Oh, again? So I came up with a list of a few titles. Okay. Well, well, I forget what the title was. What the was title it? was Times of Change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not really. Yeah. Okay. So here's a few titles that I came up with. No, sir, you're out of order. <laughs> big city, big sleeves, big fun. No, that's terrible. I hate that title. High-waisted... Uh, high-waisted morals. No, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Angela, the rejected sex worker. She is all of us. <laughs> now you're writing after-school specials. The pimp and the party girls. No. Railroads have all the fun. <laughs> I like that one. And then finally, I got 99 props and John Jr. ate one. <laughs> so any of those titles, guys, you know, they could have used. All right, Jenny, whose fault is this? This is clearly, squarely John Jr.'s fault. <laughs> totally. Yeah, 100%. Was, okay, he did not have to write a breakup letter to her, but how about not writing a letter at all? Yeah, not leading ha- her on with the letters. Well, how did that benefit him? What did he get out of writing that love letter to her? I think he was keeping her on the back burner. 
In case City Mary turned out to be yeah, like, or crazy. when he like wanted to settle down, have kids back in Walnut Grove, if that ever happens. Like he's in the city, he's gonna have his fun for four years, and then he's like, I have to have this backup plan. John Junior, he's not marrying were, City Mary, no way. John Junior, you were the only representation of a poet we had on this show. He's living the life of a poet now, though, and you did some people dirty, man. This was shitty. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of living a He should have just been honest about it. First of all, first of all, they should have break, broken up when he left. Yeah, I agree. The fact that they didn't was ridiculous. I could see doing a long distance relationship today. We have many ways to stay connected. Yeah, yeah it's different. But then, no. I mean, come on. What was she going to see him once a year? All right, Jenny. So at the end of every episode, we look back on the episode and think about a moral or a lesson or some kind of scar maybe that we took from the original material, either when we first saw it in the 80s as kids or on the rewatch. Because I don't remember this episode. No, me neither. We call it our why and it's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. So Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So my why is what your why should be. (laughs) What you should take from this episode. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This are you is, Charles now trying to tell us what to do? This is why if you are given luxury accommodations and fancy meals for free, you need to immediately ask yourself the question, what am I being paid for? Mm, because okay. nothing is for free. So unless you're a frequent traveler who gives that railroad tons of your money all the time, then that would make sense. They're rewarding me for my loyalty, which is not the case with Charles and Mary. You're getting paid for something. You're getting wooed for something. So be okay. suspicious. And don't just accept that like it's, you know, okay, something with no strings attached. <laughs> so I have two whys and one matches that. It's this is why you don't accept gifts from randos. There's always a price. Yeah. Nothing yeah. is free. Come on, Nothing's Charles. Free. Especially like this level, like those hotel rooms were not cheap. Like the this minute, was a lot of money. The minute he got that upgraded compartment and the meal, which can we discuss would this trip have been way different had Caroline been with him? Oh, yeah. But maybe the, the sex worker would have been allowed in and the three of them would have maybe. had the But the, I somehow doubt it. But <laughs> the the part that killed me is when he was all shocked and stunned that there's all this wheeling. He gets up all like on a soapbox, like all this wheeling. and It's like, dude, you rode here in first class. You had a bunch of free meals. You're staying in a super expensive hotel. Like, you're part of this, and you don't even know it. Like, you accepted all that, and now you're surprised that they want something yeah. from you? Like, that's such I, a naive I, point of view. It is a naive point of view, but I get it. Like, he's like, shocked, I, and it's like, yeah, come on, man. Like, we've all had that time where we became disillusioned with something. Sure. Like, my disillusionment with... um. The publishing but the, process. My whole, which but my whole point is the disillusionment should have started with why are they giving me all these fancy things? Like this is not the old school Grange. But he's in the bubble of Walnut Grove. Yeah, I know. That's he doesn't what I mean. get it. My second why is this is why you don't waste your money hiring a sex worker for Charles. Send mm-hmm. it. Send the sex worker to somebody who will care. Yeah, like Edward. Oh, yeah, Edward yeah, would Edwards. enjoy that. Edward would be having a blast on this trip. <laughs> but he also wouldn't be all judgy when someone's trying to buy his vote. That's true. Of course. He'd be like, here's my vote. There you go. Highest bidder. (laughs) Or or I'm not going to do that, but thanks for the hotel room. (laughs) I feel like Edwards wouldn't give a shit. He'd give up his vote. Whatever. Whatever. Which is like, how do Charles and Edwards, how did their moral compasses align? They have different moral compasses, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like do. Edwards, I don't think Edwards necessarily has a bad morals. He just has looser morals. Like he's less judgmental. Like he doesn't see like yes. getting drunk yes. and you know, like cheating on your wife. Obviously, is not. Would okay. he have but let like, Angela in? Would he have let Angela in? Married to Grace, I don't know. But if he was single, a hundred percent. I need a backstory on Angela. <laughs> Where did she he, go after this? Like he doesn't judge people for being that for gambling and drinking. Like he doesn't judge people. Like he doesn't. Make assumptions about people's character based on the fact that they want to have fun. No, he doesn't. Edwards is up for a good time. There's very, it, like, Charles is very black and white. Yes, he is. He needs to get drunk. Give yeah, me, give me, a little bit. give me a week with Charles. <laughs> I'm telling you, he needs a little corruption. Like, 
he needed to marry somebody like who's a corrupt woman on that show i don't think anybody no harriet would be the closest like the most uptight the most (laughs) what are you talking about yeah i don't know we can't we can't find a match there do you think you're heathen because you're homeless (laughs) that's true all right jenny uh what do we have coming up next the next little house is um episode three my ellen oh we just had a request for this this one's great when a we young heard my ellen i thought it was about handsome but go on no 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 this is the one where laura gets abducted a young girl loses her life during a trip to a local swimming hole hmm. the girl's mother blames laura for the accident probably accurately and annihilates everyone around her with Eloise now disconnected from the entire Walnut Grove community, Laura attempts to cheer her up with a home visit and some flowers, but the woman's emotionally unstable condition puts Laura in some real danger. So Laura's friggin' button into people's business has killed someone. I have a question. Killed another person. I have a question. I'm trying to pull up the bingo card, but I don't know where it is. Um, is Laura being blamed for someone's death or dismemberment on the bingo cards <laughs> no it should be did laura cause someone's death or dismemberment here it is here it is um and i'm definitely putting ba- paw burying bodies because i does he ba- bury the body of this young girl who dies i don't know because <laughs> laura caused that old guy's death in the gold country episode yes she Back did Raya, she caused she his did. death <laughs> Like, she's got a body count going, this kid. So if you didn't see our bingo card, I'll post it again on our Facebook page. It's pretty great. Um, some of the best that available in the store. Yeah, some of the best, some of the best episodes really uh, use most of the bingo card. Let's put it that way. Caroline suffers in some way. We saw that here. Yep. Yeah, she loses her only chance at a trip. And she kind of says something. I forget what she said, but she says something like, I'll just look at it on postcards. Or yeah, she goes, Charles, like, I want you to see Chicago. She's like, I'll just see it on a postcard someday. Oh, my God. And what did Mary get for her trip to Chicago? A heartbreak. Fucked over. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, Jenny, anything else before we? Well, I love how Charles talks about. That John is now a city boy. Like, he caught some virus. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's it's not city, ever. It's city Mary. They had, like, unprotected sex, and now he's a city boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks a lot for listening. Hi, everyone. Amy here. If you'd like to support our podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen. To send us an email or connect with us on social, please visit us at genxthisisy.com. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.